0: This Three Beards Media podcast is sponsored by Revelton Distilling Company. When Rob and Christy Taylor started following the Kentucky bourbon trail in 2012, they fell in love with not only bourbon, but the entire distilling process. Just eight short years later, in 2020, Revelton Distilling Company was opened, offering an entire family of products, including vodka, gin, whiskey, and Revelton Shine. Come visit the tasting room at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, where you can sample one of their many spirits, including four gold medal winners. Can't make it to Osceola today? Not a problem, as you can pick some up at your local Hy-Vee or Fairway grocery stores. Follow Revelton Distilling on Twitter or Instagram at ReveltonDC or their website, www.ReveltonDistilling.com.
1: This Three Beards Media podcast may contain mature themes, and if you're not down with that, we got three words for you. Like the podcast!
2: Nailed it! Would like sample some of my nuts?
1: Hello and welcome to yet again another edition of Old Man Strength, a podcast of Three Beards Media and brought to you by Revelton Distilling Company. I am Tim Johnson, joined as always by Chris Shipley. Chris, how are we doing this evening?
2: Doing well. Uh, I've spent the better part of the afternoon fighting with a bunch of fascists on Twitter. so it's been, <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a whirlwind of a day. I have a headache. And I did not have time to get any alcohol. So, oh, oh, no. Let's go. I'm ready for this. Oh,
1: no. Oh, no. I I, I did like when you said that you fought some fascists on Twitter. So, in other words, you were just on Twitter.
2: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I, I stirred up a hornet's nest of Steve Dace's followers, and it's been a never ending shit show ever since. Um, I don't understand what is going on with that guy. Um,
1: I don't understand why his audience continues to grow. I, I none of that, uh, whatever. Uh, yes. Okay. Well, good, good. Uh, well, you know what? Let's even just jump right into it. I could talk about work. I've been busy as hell and I don't want to talk about it. I've been taking a lot of baths and I think we're just going to move on. So, uh, we're going to
2: go you ahead. got a shower in your bath. Oh, you taking, taking a beer with a bath, or is it a whiskey
1: and bath? No, no, I, I, I told you, I take a shower beer, but I do a bath bourbon. They're entirely different. I love to, to I, take a nice Epsom soak. Are there, I, are
2: there any I, candles involved?
1: Uh, there are no. Ooh, there should be candles. Usually, what there is is a tablet playing like Dateline. Uh, <laughs> <I'm> getting the <laughs> visual. I'm getting the yeah, visual. Yeah. Uh, well, no, which means no, we
2: should probably not talk about. Yeah. It. No
1: one needs a visual of me in a bath. <laughs> but anyway. Um, I'm excited to go ahead and talk to our guest this evening. Uh, he is a, an author, a. I I don't know what other way to put this Twitter celebrity, frankly. Um, but I'm also going to brag for a a little bit because it's a little bit of a, I knew him when. So back in the (laughs) early days of Twitter, when it was just a bunch of us nerds, uh, together, Back when I was still on Facebook, back when I was still on LinkedIn, we were connected on that. But I got rid of all those things, so the only way I'm connected to him anymore is on Twitter. Uh, but we have uh, author, raconteur Bon Vivant. Uh, you might know him on Twitter as Julius Goat. You may have read his book, the Revisionary the revisionaries. Uh, going by A. R. Moxon, but Andrew Moxon, welcome to Old Man Strength.
3: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Um, I, <laughs> it's always it's always fun to uh, talk to somebody from uh, the old poker blogger days. The truth of the matter is, I still think of myself as a poker blogger first. Um, that's that's kind of how it all began. Uh, writing online was uh, seeing a bunch of people who were hobbyists for poker and sort of having an interest that way myself, starting one so. Um, Good to get back to the roots.
1: It it absolutely is. It's kind of funny to me when I you know because so there's a bunch of us poker bloggers that have a, a a text message chain and we're going back and forth all the time. And it's funny because no one no one maintains a blog no. in any way, shape, or form anymore because those aren't those aren't a thing that people do. Uh, but it is funny to think about that. I mean, we talk about this is as, is. As, it wasn't even the internet in its nascency. It was really only 10, 15 years ago when all of that went down. But that also was right. like a very long time ago.
3: Yeah, it does. Um, and well, it kind of was. I mean, fifteen years is uh, that, that's that's a mean number of minutes. Uh, <laughs> so I I think uh, yeah, but I think back on that, and you know, it was it was the in many ways the same as it is now. You, you'd go online and you'd spend entirely too much time on there. Um, and you you'd post uh, you i would post extremely long posts about one piece of nonsense or another hand mm-hmm. histories uh complaints about uh bad beats uh complaints, <laughs> brag brags about you know about uh huge pots or whatever you know that that was that Three was a sort of, uh, yeah exactly that's that sort of was the the context back then but um uh interestingly enough, it's still sort of how we spend our time now. Fifteen years later, it's just a different context. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So I I mentioned at the jump uh, that you are an author. You're a lot more than that, though. So why don't you go ahead and take a second and tell our listeners
3: a little bit about yourself? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, I'm always tempted in moments like these to, to channel uh, Steve Martin and the Jerk. Uh, <laughs> was born a poor. Who, who is Navin Johnson?
4: Uh, <laughs>
3: uh, uh, a rock and tour and a bon vivant and uh, uh, <laughs> a possessor of a certain Janissaire. It is, you know, uh, uh, it is to be expected. Uh, Never mind. Um, a little bit about myself. I mean, I I, I suppose uh, you know what, what's what's relevant is is um, the writing I do. I mean, that's that's uh, you, you might have wanted to have me on just because you knew me back when. But I I think the, the reason that you were uh, that you reached out is is um, back when we were doing the poker blogs. I was writing a, a novel. And I I posted about writing a novel, and I think everyone was like, "Yeah, great! You're another person writing a novel." (laughs) Who who isn't writing a novel? And I felt the same way. You know, I I felt very much the same way. Like, yeah, sure. You know, like it was was sort of cringy to even to even mention it. So I mentioned it seldom, but I sometimes do. Well, I finished it in 2014, and I. Uh, edited it for a couple years after that. Um, it was pretty long, and I knew it was too long to really publish. Uh, it was about 900-page manuscript. Um, and I had done research. I knew that you really weren't supposed to go over like 250, 250 pages. You know, 300 was really pushing it, and I was at 900. So I knew I was in deep <laughs> shit. Uh, <laughs> so, but, yeah, d-
1: yeah. Just, just to be clear, 900 was too long, and you settled on.
3: Three hundred was too long. I settled on 900. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, figured, I I've always been of the uh, opinion that if you're going to break a rule, you should really break it. Um, and so I, I I broke the hell out of that one. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I spent a year after that. That would have been like 2016, <laughs> trying to get an agent. And some agents were interested in the query, but you know, very politely. As I knew they would, you know, this is just too damn long. Like this would have to be, you know, the next George R. R. Martin or something like that to, yeah. to for us to, you know, even think about trying to sell a debut. Um, come the day that um, a bunch of Nazis decided to take over. Charlottesville. And I had already been getting super pissed on Twitter and Twitter had sort of become the bucket that I put my head into to scream. Um, And, you know, not a ton of followers or anything, you know, some people paying attention, maybe mostly just fellow, you know, friends, poker bloggers,
0: people who had been in my
3: orbit. Um, And I wrote a, um, I, I wrote a, uh a thread, I guess, about uh, I to that. me it's
1: more of a screed, frankly. Yeah,
3: yeah. It was like it, it was it was about all the ways that, that Nazis pissed me off. It, it was say,
1: it was a uh imagine if these guys ever
3: really felt oppression. That uh, was they, the hook. Yeah. That was yeah. The Okay. Hook. And uh and so I, I just I just listed all the things that really they had never had to deal with. Not to say that you know and and uh uh not to say that, that they didn't have any strife in their life, I'm, I'm sure they do, having to be themselves, but, uh, <laughs> y- y- you know, the, 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 I, I basically listed all those things and then I, I talked about all the things that they clearly were worried they'd be replaced as, none of which had to do with being aggressive Graston. Um, I went for a run and I came back and uh, when I started the run, it wasn't a short run, but it wasn't a particularly long run, it was about an hour, um, 60, <laughs> um i had gained about 60,000 twitter followers
1: i mean i remember watching this all go down in real time like that's crazy like like our julius goat s- suddenly blowing up like it's one thing to have a tweet go viral but it's another thing to have like an entire account go viral
3: yeah it was it was really um it was really a crazy thing to experience uh and uh, he, we, and we can talk about that experience as much as you guys are, are curious. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, I I started having people reaching out to me. Um, and it just so happened that I had a manuscript. But, you know, they're like, well, this is pretty cool. Have you written anything else? And I was like, you'll never guess. I've written, <laughs> I've written a lot. I've written a lot else. I've got the greatest, longest novel you've ever seen. You wouldn't believe it. Well, and, and the thing if you know it, if you if you haven't read it, uh, you're you're very much forgiven. But if you have read it, you'll know it's pretty damn weird. Um, it's, it deals, it's, yeah, it's very weird. Yeah. Yeah, it deals it deals with multiple uh, realities and um and, and and multiple ways of looking at reality and, and and different typefaces and to indicate different things and uh not so much an unreliable narrator as an unreliable admission narrator and a lot of other things as well. Some cats get involved. Uh, <laughs> the, there's, there's a gorilla. There's, there's, uh, there's, there's a lot of things like that. Um, it's that kind of book. And, and so there was a little bit of kind of back and forth uh, as people who were kind of interested in what I had to say. We're like, oh, we, we were expecting maybe more of like the thing that you just did. And I was <laughs> like, no, no, it's nothing like that, fellas. It's it's my enormous weird book. But I did. I, I found a very, um, uh, a, a very supportive uh, uh, publisher and agent that were able to shepherd me through the process. Publisher very early on said, well, are you? Do you think you can cut a third of this book? And I was like, yeah, I can cut a third of this book easily they're like okay that's good to hear and then i had to go away and be like shit, how do i do that <laughs> uh, but that was the right answer you know that, uh so we did get it down to i believe if you look exactly 600 pages at least yeah. in the hardcover. so um so so we were able to kind of pull some characters out move some things around there's a very good 900 page version out there you know, one day when I'm as big as Stephen King, we'll republish it like The Stand, and <laughs> everyone, will, everyone will buy another copy of the extended revisionaries. It'll be amazing.
1: I I, I don't know. Uh, I I have the 600 page uh, hardcover book. I am actually looking at it off screen here right now. Um, uh and and that was a so. You mentioned that you had written this as far back as twenty fourteen, but yeah. it, but you kind of didn't get the traction until uh you blew up on Twitter and now we're suddenly kind of a known entity and that kind of helped to move the book forward. Yeah, I, that's right. Yeah, I, mean, I mean it was it was a it was a pandemic read for me. Mm-hmm. Um uh I also and I still have not listened to it to this day. I also downloaded the the audio book. Uh, mm-hmm. Which for one, I don't know how you convey like uh, the font changes and the comic strips and all of that over audio book, right? Like, so
3: it's it's yeah. interesting, actually. Uh, uh, they so the 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 reader is a, a fellow named PJ Oakland, he's a professional audio book reader and actor. Uh, he did a fantastic job. He did a pretty good job of sussing out who the narrator was supposed to be in each of those mm-hmm. typefaces, and using that person's voice.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So the voice was adjusted, and it was done that way, in a way that I appreciated. I, I thought that it, I thought it got a, a, a across what those changes were doing as well as anything could. Um, and there were a number of moments where I, I really felt bad for the audio book. Um, team just you know at some point whether during recording or probably before as they were figuring out how to record it running into one thing or another and just being like well shit what do we do (laughs) yeah about that you know there's just so you know chris there's there's a moment where it shifts over i drew a comics page page of a comic book and I interpolate and, and I, my, my buddy uh, Juanito Moore um, touched it up because my backgrounds were terrible and my character work is kind of sketchy so he, <laughs> he he did a nice professional version of it nicely inked and we put that into the book and I couldn't believe they let me do that but uh, you know those are the sorts of things that, that the audio uh, narrator was going to have to come across and figure out to do I did not envy them that well, yeah, I mean, it it
1: becomes almost a a mixed
2: media in 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 a sense at that point.
3: Mm. Yeah, very much so.
2: <clears throat> so, at at what point while writing this book, and and I'll I'll preface this by saying I have zero uh, creativity in my body whatsoever. Although I do work in marketing, so I don't know what that tells you. But uh, through that process, at what point do you go? This is either like exactly what I want or this is just one big jumbled mess. And I, and I, and I, I guess I'm asking, did you ever question yourself? Cause it sounds like it's, you know, something completely unique. Did you ever question mm-hmm. yourself that is this even viable?
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, I question myself a lot and, and that all happened before I started writing in earnest. So the book, the idea for the book and a lot of the writing for the book really started in 1999, a buddy of mine named Ben, um, who's, uh, I, I credit in the acknowledgements at the end of the book. And I also, uh, the book is dedicated to him, um, as it had to be because he and I wrote maybe four or 500 pages of just craziness, uh, in 99, 2000. And I always saw a narrative thread. And, um, but To me, it was like, well, this is just a pipe dream. It's just too crazy. It's too weird. It's this and that. Um, And I got to the point around 2012 where I had been thinking about it and never let go of me uh, all that time. And so I got to the point where I was like, well, yeah, it'll probably fail in in terms of, you know, uh, it won't get published for sure. And nobody's ever going to read it for sure. Um, And you might not even like it. That could happen. But I was more afraid of not writing it than I was of writing it and failing it at it. So once I got to that point, and I realized I was at that point, it was probably only a matter of a couple months. And the poker sites, by the way, were completely going under right around that time. It was really well timed because I was like, I suddenly had all of these empty hours to fill. Um, And so it took two years. It was a lot of fun. And I stopped questioning myself pretty early in the process because it was coming out just like I want. Um, And so for two years, it was just about the most fun I've ever had. Just sitting down every day, writing a page to five pages, maybe more every morning. Um, And then the only time I questioned myself after that was, when I was editing, because when I was editing it by myself, I realized how much of it really wasn't that good. Um, Especially the earlier stuff um, as I had kind of strengthened as a writer in writing it and how much work was going to be needed. So I had to go through that book. It took me about another two years. Uh, Yeah. Damn, damn close to a year and a half, I guess. Um, To go through that book. I went through it like six times each time, just, Filtering, 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 cutting this, writing new section, and then just cleaning, 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 cleaning. Um, so actually, even though I finished the the and that was that was a moment when I definitely questioned, like uh, you know, you had so much fun writing it, but this might suck. Um, but I was able to refine it, and I was able to get it to the point where I could read it through and I was like, I really like this. And then um, it was just a, about a year of trying and failing to get any attention for it, um, which I expected already. I had already had my success because I had already enjoyed it, uh, enjoyed the writing of it, and it had been something that I liked. I'd started a second novel, which I'm still about to get back to. Because what happened then was I got the chance to uh, to publish my book, and then I learned that editing really fucking <laughs> um, I hope. Uh, do, you, do you have? By the way, we're we're all good with. with Say uh, whatever the fuck you want. Say whatever uh, you want. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. There so, you go. I, I, I figured so it's this, that that's
2: usually the be. question that happens, and then that's usually when the podcast gets exponentially de- better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I figured it was that kind of party, but uh, um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so so yeah, and 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 during the editing process. Um, I would say that's the third time I really questioned myself because that was very difficult. Um, you know, the an editor, a professional editor, isn't uh, necessarily going to coddle you, and they're definitely not there to. They're there to make the book as good as possible, and so they're really going to push you. And my editor really pushed me, um, and there were some difficult conversations, and 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 there were some difficult uh, problems to solve. You know, things it was like this isn't working for me. This isn't working for me. This isn't working for me. Almost none of the book was working for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, the, the, you know, I, I I've got another book I could write that. Um, but but really, I mean, the, the point was to refine it, to refine it, to refine it, make it better and better. And the six hundred pages, you know, I joked about the nine hundred pager, but it's not as good a book. It's not as tight. And the yeah. truth is, if you can cut three hundred pages from your manuscript and it's still good, yeah. then it probably needed three hundred pages cut from it um so uh by the time that it came out i was feeling pretty pretty confident um and and i i remain confident until the next time i try and put out a book
1: i mean it's 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 i hope this isn't offensive it's almost three books you know what i mean like like it's almost a triptych in a way like they can't work without the parts can't work without each other but at the same time there's enough independence in them that 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 it, it, it i don't know chris i i have a hard time kind of even ex- explaining this to you uh I, well it, so for for most of our listeners probably haven't read it how, like what would you even how would you describe this book what would you i don't even know what genre you would call this necessarily
3: This is a book that starts out in a uh, in a mode of sort of, I would say, gonzo crime fiction. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's about these very colorful characters in very in in clearly a very heightened environment. And one of them is this priest who's sort of a faker and knows it. um, But he's doing his best in this uh, in this uh, very depressed area. Where they've just opened the doors to the local um, uh, uh, psychiatric institute and just let everybody out, and he runs into one of them, and one of this. this Literally called Looney
1: of, Island, yeah.
3: Yeah, it's called Looney Island. Um, <laughs> the, the, they they aren't they aren't uh, up on the most sensitive lingo there, uh, <laughs> right? But but this this fellow is flicking in and out of reality, and he claims to have. A, a lottery ticket that gives him um, uh, power over everything in the universe. And the, this this faker priest starts to kind of realize that maybe he does. And the thing is he's run, this, this guy is on the run and he's on the run from God because God has told him to give the ticket to the worst person in the world. And then we find ourselves in colonial uh, uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Where a uh, a blacksmith discovers a fountain that removes the memory from anyone who drinks its waters, and we we carry on in that mode for a while until we get to modern day Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, and uh, and by that which is now by now run by a cult built around that fountain, um, and, uh, and 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 uh, meanwhile between both of these stories. This um, this man in a powder blue suit is popping up from time to time to say the you know just very weird cryptic things and then we find ourselves back in Mooney Island and uh, and and eventually what starts to happen is you start to realize uh, things about the nature of the the world in which we uh, we've been reading and ways that it comments on the nature of reality itself and uh the, the the relationship between a creation like a, a novel and its audiences and its creator um and it all ends in a big circus um <laughs> as you might expect
1: no it, it literally does this is the best part. <laughs> it's a
3: big it's a big trapeze show um that uh so so Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is a a book that, um, is difficult to to categorize. I would say that it is, um, uh, you know, as far as genre, I, I was attempting for literary fiction, Mm -hmm. um, but it, it crosses many genres and I was attempting to write in many modes. So in the first section, uh, you know, I'm I'm trying my hand at something that might be in the realm of a uh, of a Tom Robbins mm-hmm. uh, or a Kurt Vonnegut, and in the second section, I'm trying my hand at maybe more of a Cormac McCarthy sort of situation. Uh, not that I would dare uh, uh, compare myself in terms of skill and effectiveness to those writers, but that's what I was. That's that's sort of what I had, I guess. So um, so. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. What was the original question? <laughs> my, 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 my How book do you explain the book? My book, is, book? I, my I book is a big Ian's weird. My, my book is a big weird thing, and it, and it is about the relationship between. Uh, it, it is about it is about the creative impulse and what that means for uh, for creators and for uh, and for audiences, mm-hmm. is what I would say.
2: Thank you. Well, I- Go ahead. Grace. Sorry, Tim. I, I just I find it fascinating uh, just on the surface of listening to you explain it or whatever. I, I do find it fascinating that um, because I don't have the capacity to work in that many different worlds, I guess, is the word I want to use. Right. I mean, somewhere you, you're moving around through these different worlds and these different stories, but you are weaving a full story all the way through. So I, I do find that commendable and, and that people can do that. Um, I'm a little worried that I won't be able to follow it, but then again, <laughs> Tim will tell you, I have a hard time following simple things. So, uh, so maybe the audiobook is right up my alley.
3: <laughs> Some people find the audiobook uh, um, a lot easier way to get into it. That was the case for my wife. I I'll, I'll tell you the, the, you know, I, I mentioned Tom Robbins, I mentioned, um, I mentioned Cormac mccarthy but yep. the 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 author i really had in mind throughout was stephen king mm-hmm. because stephen king always makes you want to turn the page yes. and you you always you always know what's going on at least in the moment and that that is something i strive to accomplish and i hope to have done so there's no question that in any given moment when the, the when it comes to the macro story you're going to be like What the hell, where, where am I in this? But in the moment, my hope is that you always understand who this person is you're reading and what they want and what the stakes are. And I'm, I'm at least for my own part satisfied um, in that Um, to make it so that it is at least I, I, I wanted a complex book, but I did not want an impenetrable book. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it is like, I, look, I'm not going to lie. It's it's it. it is a uh, I don't want to say dense, but there's just a lot to, to go in and you have to commit to reading the book. And you it, this is not a book that you want to take a long time reading because by the time you get on page 300, you've kind of forgotten what happened on page 100 and you have to like cross-reference. It's not an, it necessarily an easy book to get through, but that's not to say that it's tedious, but it, it does have uh, uh, a lot going on. And I I told you that I, I, I bought the, the audio book and I have yet to listen to it because I kind of feel like, the experience is going to be so different. I, I still think I probably want to like when I'm, you know, out kayaking or out hiking by myself, you know, something like that, going out on a weekend where I'm, where I'm backpacking, that would be the perfect time to, ta- to kind of do it and dive into it. Um, but it is, it's a very, I, I worry it's a very different uh, experience. Uh, Chris, for you, you, uh, you might want to do it just so you can pause and look up the definition
2: of words. Um, I mean, you've already used two or three of them that I didn't know, so I <laughs> described it,
3: so
2: yeah. But uh, Andrew, I, if you can't tell on the good looks of the pot uh, the podcast, that was immediate,
3: that was immediately apparent, immediately, uh, right? Immediately apparent, and I couldn't, I, I wasn't, I which wasn't is sure perfect for an brains brains audio, as well, but perfect for an audio podcast, too. So, yeah,
1: absolutely. Um so uh I, so with this book, I so I had mentioned like obviously you 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 blew up on on Twitter all of a sudden uh my friend Julius Goat is getting uh quoted by Newsweek and Newsweek articles on his thread about the Charlottesville Unite the Right rally and all of this stuff and all of these other things going on. Yeah. Um you got a lot of uh, momentum behind you. Uh, you started to get quote tweeted by a lot of not just news sources, but celebrities. uh Patton Oswalt wrote a blurb for the jacket of that was of, pretty amazing of your book. How, how the hell did that happen?
3: Yeah. OK, so I, I don't know. I don't think I've told that one before. um It was sort of dumb luck. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know Patton really. Um, mm-hmm. he does follow me on, on Twitter. Um, um, I, I follow him. I think more people probably follow him than me by maybe 20 times, <laughs> um, uh, uh, as, as it should be. He's brilliant. Um, so uh, my wife and I went to see him when he came, came through town. Um, we just saw his show and I just tweeted about, it. um, not really even, I, th- I probably tagged him. I'm It's lucky I did. I don't always think to do that, but I probably tagged him. But I might not have, uh, he might have just seen it. But I, I just tweeted about a great show, hilarious, you know, made some oblique joke that they wouldn't give away the material. Um, but would be meaningful for anybody who who had been there. Or it's kind of seen a recent show. And... Um, and I'm watching TV with my family and we're having pizza or whatever. And I look and I've got a direct message on Twitter. So I want to see about well, Tim Johnson's probably direct messaging me. <laughs> Let's see what Tim's got to say. Probably, probably It
2: makes me run to the phone every time I
3: get. One. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I, I click on the direct message and uh, it's uh, Pat Oswald, uh, star of stage and screen. And he just said, he said, uh, what you were at the show, you should have told me. I'd have comped you and had you backstage. And I was like, um, "Would have uh, a- uh, <laughs> uh, would have been good information to have." <laughs> right. Prior, Pat Oswalt, uh, my favorite comedian. I didn't think for a moment. I wouldn't have presumed for even a second to be like, "Hey." remember me. I'm the asshole on Twitter that you've retweeted three times in the last year. Naturally, you're going to want to meet me. Um, I I mean, Lewis
1: Gossett Jr. followed me for a long time on Twitter, and I can't imagine the next time. That's
3: awesome.
1: I can't imagine the next time there's a there's a live reading of a script of Airwolf that Lewis Gossett Jr. is going to invite me there.
3: Yeah, or Iron Eagle or something. Yeah, you know? I think he was an Iron Eagle. He oh, was Iron eagle, eagle, I
1: mean.
2: Yeah. I meant yeah. Man, yes. that's usually a mistake I make. Uh,
1: no, that's my bad. That's my bad. <laughs> yeah. Anyway.
3: If you if you had just if you had like he's doing a reading, if he's doing a reading and you would just DM him and be like, hey Chappie, <laughs> from I'm from Twitter, what's up? What's good? How about you have me backstage? So so anyway, I'm I'm kind of processing that. And so and I have, like, I'm like, when am I going to tell my family that I'm having a conversation on my phone with Pat Um So I was like, well, that's, you know, that's amazing. Um, well, I, I guess uh, I, I had, uh, you know, I had no idea that, that that was something I should do. He's like, next time for sure. Now, that was right before, you know, that was before COVID. So there oh. has been no next time. Um, although I have seen him since, at, uh, you know in the audience. Um, but, uh, I decided to shoot my shot. I was like, Hey Patton, I got a book coming out. Uh, it's in galleys, uh, right now. And if you would be interested, I would love to have you take a look at it. And, um, and he was like, Oh yeah, that'd be amazing. He, he shot, shot me an address, uh, to somewhere. Uh, and we, so I was like immediately on with my, uh, with my publisher, I was like, "Okay, very quickly now, here you go." Right. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, and then and then the guy gave me a blurb, nice. Like, didn't yeah. have to do that. Like it nicest was, guy it, in the world, right? Like, it was, it was a great. Yeah. It was a great blurb. So, but it kind of compared it to the Bible, frankly. Yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> I was like, uh, like, like, so you know, starting out and just saying, "Well, nobody's going to ever read this." was, <laughs> well, just yeah. to start, like, that's enough. Um, I was like, at that point, I, was, I, I really was kind of in a place where I was like, well, I guess it's probably going to sell more than 10 copies, but I don't really care, you know, like, like so, like, everything that had happened up to that point was so amazing, and other people who blurbed it, too, you know, Audrey Niffenegger wrote The Time Traveler's Wife. I love mm-hmm. that novel. I read that 10 years earlier. I couldn't believe that I was getting a blurb from, from her. Kelly Link, um, uh, um, Tom McAllister, whose who's book, uh, book fight podcast I, I really liked um, and has written a, a number of, of excellent books and um, you know so many others. Ben, ben Dreyer uh, of, of Dreyer's English was very nice. and He was actually going on tour with his much, much, much more successful book right around the same time. We had been Twitter buddies back when we both had like 300 followers. And so he was, and, and he was he was so kind. Um, he was actually on a book tour because his book was uh, was big enough to support that. And he was talking my book up while on his book tour. So just a lot of really wonderful things that happened around that time to to sort of help give the. The, the book a, a bit of a boost as well. So, uh, I mean, for, just wonderful, wonderful, magical little moment there. But Patton Oswald, the Patton Oswald conversation was so surreal. Like, just sitting on my couch, just like, okay, um, talking to Patton. I,
1: yeah, I know. I like if I would have said, like, oh, uh, yeah, I would have comped you tickets. I would have been like, motherfucker, like, come on. Uh, <laughs> but I, I so, I mean, as far as a debut novel, uh, You did all right for yourself for a debut novel. You know, obviously, you know, you can read about your novel in The New York Times and NPR and The Washington Post. Like, obviously, it didn't it was not just a blip on the radar.
3: Yeah, that was really surprising. Um, uh, I shouldn't have been surprised. Melville House has an excellent reputation. It's a small uh, it's a small publishing house. It's independent. Um, but it has an excellent reputation and, um, and, and they have been able to do that for authors, um, not just once or twice before, but many times before. And when I had signed with them, I would go to Barnes and Noble or my local seller or wherever, and I would look for their books on the shelves and there they were, would be. Um, so they're very adept at that sort of thing. Um, but I was surprised. It was, it was a real shock. And it is a nervy thing to, um, to get a link to the Washington Post um, and, uh, and click on it, not knowing what they're going to say. And knowing that what you've written uh, lends itself very easily to <laughs> uh, a wide range of interpretation. Um, so, and, and, you know, the New York times had a, an author, I, I, quite admire Sergio de la Pava, uh, you know, wrote about it. And, and so to, to have to take all that in is, uh, is extraordinary. It was, it was a very exciting time, but it was, uh, it was nerve jangling each time. Um, and I was, I was lucky enough to get, um, mostly nice things written about it. Um, and the things that were, uh, were not as complimentary about it. I, 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 I grant it. It's, it's, you know, it's a fair cop. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take my lumps. So it was, uh, it was not, it was, it was, uh, I I was very, I was very pleased to your point, right. Uh, uh, how it, it came about and how it did, um, the fact that it was able to get some attention and, and just, you know, get some eyes and, and. You know, to the to the degree that I still have people most days at to some degree or another on Twitter asking me a question about it. or oh, I just got to this part, or you know, uh, or or whatever the case may be, and that's lucky. So, it, it's 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 uh, I feel I feel very lucky, very blessed, in in all that. So, yeah. uh, uh,
1: how much? I I mentioned this before, but and you, I think you even brought this up. That I think uh, the the cachet uh, that you got via Twitter uh, that obviously had to have kind of given assist through all of this, right? I
3: I don't think it would have happened without. Um, And and the only reason I say that is the book was going to have to find a willing publisher. It was going to have to find the 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 type of publisher that isn't so much willing to take a gamble. um, Although, you know, any, any debut is going to be that any book is going to be that. um, And certainly a big weird one is, but actually wants to publish that sort of thing and they're out there, but you, you have to find them. And if you're just kind of searching about on the ground level, they're looking for you. You're looking for them, but everyone's kind of like, you know, searching in in pitch black midnight, no stars, with rather dim flashlights for each other. You know, and what Twitter does is it puts up a flare, mm-hmm. and so when that happened, it brought attention to me um, to a degree that that the right person was able to find me. So a lot of people found me and they 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 looked um you know they looked at what I had and they they very politely said well that's very nice but that's not what we thought you had and that's not what we're gonna do you know and, and that was that and fair enough right um but but it was uh it was something that was was basically able we were able to find each other in that because of that Um, And then the fact, you know, that that I had suddenly a very large platform is attractive to a publisher as well. And it probably helped to some degree uh, that I'll I'll never know to what extent um, uh, with the calculus, do we want to publish this book? Um, And it maybe it it helped it get, you know, a hardcover as opposed to a paperback. Maybe it helped get a little bit more of a focus from the marketing team and again i don't know because you know they're running their business and they're making those those decisions and those calculations um and as is appropriate for so so if i had had three times as many twitter followers then maybe i would have gotten even more or maybe it wouldn't have made a difference at all i really can't say but i i I have to assume that it helps to to some degree
1: well, I want to go ahead and touch a little bit more on Twitter again because that's where probably you and I have spent the most time, uh, for sure, uh, together. But I want to go ahead and grab a word from our sponsor, Revelton Distilling Company. So we will be back with Andrew Moxon right after this break.
0: It's fall, it's football, and no better time to celebrate those victories or soothe away those losses like a drink from Revelton Distilling Company. Imagine a cool, crisp Saturday morning at your tailgate, friends and family enjoying a quick morning cup of coffee spiced up with Revelton's Whiskey Cream and Liqueur. Their cream liqueur is made from a three-year-old Iowa corn bourbon whiskey with a cream and notes of chocolate and honey. Wow, does that not sound like the perfect way to begin a day watching your favorite team dominate on the field? Then after the game, sit back and relax with one-of-a-kind, honey old-fashioned, with Revelton's Honey Whiskey. Oh, and something new and exciting is on the horizon, so be sure to check out all their updates on their Twitter or Instagram page at ReveltonDC.
1: Once again, we are talking with author, uh, Twitter personality, poker blogger, I don't even know how else to describe him, Andrew Moxon. Uh, (laughs) Andrew, before we took a break, uh, I had mentioned I want to talk a little bit more about Twitter Mm -hmm. uh, because you were just Julius Goat for the longest time to me. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> uh, in fact, you didn't even put A.R. Moxon on your Twitter at all. You were just Julius Goat. Julius Goat. Yep. Um. And, and I, you know, we mostly I think followed each other for not even poker content. Usually it was just the post. Once all of the poker websites went down, and all, of, and it was just a bunch of people being sarcastic online for the longest time. Yep. Um, back in what I would call the heyday of Twitter, frankly, uh, those are the good days, yeah. Those are the oh, good days. Oh, I remember like 2009, 2010. My friend, uh, Andy, uh, who has since passed away, uh, he and I had a whole shangoing back and forth on jokes that spoons make. I, I, I <laughs> right. it, it doesn't make sense, but at like at one point. Uh one of the members of Wilson Phillips retweeted one of those I, it was just some of the, the silly things. That's um, what that's
3: what that's what Twitter is best for. That's what it really is meant for.
1: And that's what it and that's what it should be. I, I know that, that you're on Mastodon now. I don't know how you're finding Mastodon.
3: No. I like it actually. I you know, I'm 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 finding with any with any platform, I'm usually looking for ways to sort of like I, I like to see what people are doing. I like to find different things like what what can I do that's different? Uh, what does what does the format lend itself to? Yeah um, nothing has really come to mind with post yet. nothing has really come to mind Hive with hive yet um, any of the others. Uh, but Mastodon's kind of fun. It seems to be getting some traction in terms of engagement. It feels the most like Twitter, um, kind of Twitter as it was. You know, it, yeah. This is it's like the Gandalf the White version of, the, uh, <laughs> of social media, I guess. But um, uh, it it has it has like twice, uh, almost twice as much space. Um, at least on the server I'm on, you can do about 500 characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's just a little bit more room to stretch out. And it's just a little bit more chilled out and laid back, it feels like. So I'm doing more. I'm, I'm, I've been, I've taken to actually posting some, uh, some excerpts from the book just to kind of give a sense of that, because the additional length um, usually will fit some of my, longer sentences um (laughs) and and, which twitter never had any time for that uh uh and and i've also like i think I, i think i'll just start doing more things like that i i i think uh it'll it'll i don't know i'm starting to get a picture of it i'm still on twitter a lot um and uh It's, it is what it is. I mean, it's, it's the, it's, it's, it's sort of the place where um, a lot of uh, cultural issues are being hashed out in real time by some very um, smart people that I can learn from. And some very, um, some people with very bad intentions Um, (laughs) that, that I do my best to, uh, have some fun with and dismiss quickly and talk about as opposed to talk to these days. But that's sort of what Twitter has become. Uh, We've had a couple narcissists who have, have made themselves the main character that is in a way that is sort of unavoidable. Um, And then a bunch of other like sub narcissists, uh, you know, uh, that, that have don't have to be contended with, but what they represent has to be.
2: I, Go ahead, Chris. That's right. I, I, was, I'm, I was speaking of Twitter. I, I have found myself the last four or five days cleaning out my follow list quite a bit because I felt like I was losing part of what you guys enjoyed about it at the beginning, which was some of the fun aspects and the, the back and forth and the interactions with people that you get to know as opposed to just constant retweets of controversial things. Yeah. That, after a while, I was just getting exhausted with. Um, I've probably cleaned off a thousand accounts that I follow um, because they just were clogging up the timeline, I think. Um, so I, I can understand where I, I miss going the, the early years of Twitter as well. Um, you wouldn't be able to tell today because I've been in an absolute dogfight all day long with a whole <laughs> slew of fucking crazies that i mean holy smokes it, it's a cult but anyways that's a whole nother i mean apparently to your point that's that's how you get recognized on twitter is you go after a bunch of fascists like you did in charlottesville so apparently i'm just not yeah. as good at it
3: <laughs> Well, I, I i think i think too i mean you know look i i i have enjoyed a good uh twitter street fight as much as anybody um but i i think that the thing that has real utility is, usually, at least you know, in my experience, uh, it is not so much when you're you know you're dunking on you know a group of Twitter Nazis or assholes or fascists or you know blinkered moderate you know head in the sand types or whatever it might be that's annoying you that they. It's not so much that it's it's more understanding well what, what is the urge behind it, what's driving this, and and then starting to really interrogate it and pick it apart. So, you know, the 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 whether it's whether it's what's useful or what is good for driving engagement and getting people's attention, either way, I found that what the best thing Usually, if I'm if I'm dunking on somebody, eventually everybody kind of looks away. They're a little embarrassed for me, I think. Uh, like, you're, 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 you know, if you, if you and again, I do it all the time. I mean, I mean, know, it's, to it's be like, fair, it is
1: uh, a republic, not a democracy. <laughs> that,
3: that's, that's my thing. So so if you if you ever see me. Yeah, that's a good point. If you ever see me uh, reply to you, um, America is a democracy. That's sort of like um, that's sort of like getting the phone call and hearing seven days. You're you're, you're getting blocked. It's it's all going down. That's the last thing you're going to hear from me unless you give me the old call and response um, of actually it's a republic, and then I'll give you a Yahtzee and then you're out of here. Um, but if you give me no satisfaction, uh, if you give me no satisfaction in the next, you know, 12 to 24 hours, um, you're, you're gone anyway. That's, that's, that's basically me turning on the house lights. And I do it very quickly these days because I, I, I really don't have a ton of time for it. Um, as, certainly not as much as I used to, I used to do a lot more of that. So now it's just, it's basically just, okay, I see what you are. I see what you're about. Uh, let's, let's see if you'll, let's see if you'll, you'll show me what you are. Yep. There it is. There's the old call and response and we're out. Um, I don't know. No, I mean, you know, I, I what, what I really try and get at what, what I think is useful is let's unpack the thing that is behind that edge and why is this successful? And what is, what is it, what is it that about it that is, is really grabbing a hold of people? And what is it about it that makes people want to exonerate it, right? Or, Mm -hmm. or look the other way or not deal with it or, or, or or minimize it in some way. Um, so that's been a lot of what I do on Twitter and it's probably always going to be the thing that has been read more than any other words that I read are those things, especially the ones that really, um, got a lot of engagement on social media and went viral. Um, more and more, I've been taking to writing longer stuff on a newsletter, which is also hosted by Twitter. Which uh, th- they they have a, a newsletter uh, uh, app called Review. It's basically a Substack competitor. I'm very concerned that it's going to stop working any moment now, I, and my cash will Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I may have to be moving sometime soon, but um, I've. I've been more interested in, in digging deeper into that and into just how do I encounter these things? And what do, what do I think they mean? You know, what, what are the, what are the, the, not so much the motivations that you hear, but what are the truer motivations that are demonstrated by what actually happens and how can we, how can we see them? How can, how can we maybe, Cast them in a new light that allows us to understand things that we already know are right or wrong, but have been obscured in ways uh, purposefully um, that have been, you know, that have been changed into something more confusing. Um, And, and I don't know, I, I'm'm I'm, I'm a little far afield here probably from the original question but um as I just think about like well what do I do you know like what is what is Twitter good for it's good for telling jokes about what spoons say <laughs> and getting Wilson Phillips to retweet that's the first thing that's the that's that is its original intent and I try to make sure that I'm at least 33 percent tomfoolery at all times Um, but, but the other thing I think it's good for is to really unpack those things. And then when people interact, so I have done a series about, uh, about this idea, um, that I've been working on called sabotage. The idea is that, that we all want things that are broken to be fixed and yet repair seems to never come. And, and what does that indicate? And to me that indicates that there is some sort of misalignment. There is an alignment toward brokenness um, and towards paying higher costs of brokenness as opposed to paying the natural costs of repair. And the reason for that is paying natural costs of repair are shared. And there are people who don't want to pay any costs. And I would call that sabotage. That's kind of the elevator pitch of these like 60,000 words. But people will come in and they'll say, well, you haven't considered blah, and you haven't considered this, and you have. And, I, and my response always is, "Yes, that's exactly the kind of attitude I'm talking about." That's right. We do look for ways to not repair. We do look for the, all these excuses, and we do offer them not as, you know, re- obstacles to solve and overcome that we have already resolved that we are going to overcome, but as just reasons to not even think about the problem, right? And so that's the sort of that's the sort of value I see in Twitter is. You're able to put that kind of an idea out there, and then people are going to be able to respond to you in ways that are revelatory to the thing you are talking about. Or, and that's if you're right, if you're wrong, (laughs) then then you're going to learn something because you're going to get schooled about some assumption that you have. And that I find very instructive and useful.
1: I mean i I think so uh certainly it was side note, it was not lost on me uh when because you talked about this novel for a while and when you finally released the novel, and I went, holy shit, this guy who is so good at making uh complex things very concise for the for the the characters on Twitter released a novel that's six hundred pages long. Uh, like oh, holy shit! This guy that could say less with more said more <laughs> uh, a lot, right? Um, I. But because there's so many kind of things to unpack, I think what I appreciated was learning was that it was not, uh, that no tweet was uh, the discussion. It was a a starter, right? Um. <laughs> And so, th- and there have been a lot of back and forth, and then people say different things and you respond to that, or you know, what like you know, the other po- poker guys and I always joke about I got goaded whenever you retweet <laughs> us, and suddenly we're <laughs> fucking spammed with likes or comments or angry whatever. Yeah, like, but, but the idea is that it's not done. Once that thought is, is put out there, and so you think about this as I've got one hundred and forty four characters and you know put it out there, but there's there's a lot more to that,
3: yeah yeah the i, I think I think it's important to always be listening for um, for new ideas. Uh, it's important to be open minded and and but there's there's a particular way to be open minded. Uh, um, I, I think I think a lot of times, open-minded is taken to be, and and you know it's a criticism that I'll receive, and I'm sure a lot of people do, um, uh, more so than I do. But but the, the criticism is, well, you, you you know you need to consider you need to consider um, other people that disagree with you. You know you really need to consider other sides to this equation. You're really simplifying this down by rejecting. The, um, the the conservative position, and and I under that's understandable to a degree. I understand I understand what's meant there because I do reject the conservative position actually, but um, but I think what's missed there is is a couple of things. One, um, I think it would be incorrect to say that the reason that um, that a position gets rejected is always because it hasn't been listened to. Or understood. Sometimes sure. a position is rejected because it has been listened to. It's been understood very well. We, we may have heard it. Uh, uh, we may have not been able to escape hearing It It may but be something it, it, that's actually all pervasive and it's is said the dominant. Entirely, narrative. All the time. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, and so it may be that it's being rejected because it's being very well understood. So that's one thing. The other thing is there, there is this sort of, um, this the sort of insistence on duality that that exists out there, where where it's it's just it's just I'm, I'm I'm opposed to the conservative, so that therefore I must be holding to the liberal side because there are only two sides. But the truth of the matter is that what we have right now is basically a supremacist, exclusionary um, uh, uh, construct and ideology, and so in opposition to that is basically every other way. So when you say, well, you have to listen to all sides, they say, well, I am listening to all sides, actually. I'm listening to trans people. And I'm listening to Black Lives Matter activists, right? And I'm listening to gay activists. And I'm listening to the disabled community. And I'm listening to literally dozens of other people who have different life experiences than me and live in different countries, and have different religions. And all of them are informing me, and I've got my ears open to all of them. And that is what is informing my rejection of the conservative side, which is not just one side of two, it is a single side of many. And the rest of us are all listening to each other already. So that's where the complexity is to me. And and that's where the open-mindedness is to me is, if somebody if somebody comes and criticizes me about something I've said because it's something I've missed, I'll pull up and I'll change frequently. But if it's the same, if, if I if if I can identify and it's not too hard to do, the same sort of exclusionary, closed off, fear based, supremacist uh, urge that that is basically the dominant narrative. I've got no time for it and I will shut it down. And that, that I don't think is closed-minded. I think that that's actually a product of being open-minded.
1: So, so do you think there's, can you think of an example of something that you've changed your mind on because somebody- I'll give
3: like you one from yesterday. Um, so uh, there was a time um, when Twitter allowed uh, us to start posting uh, to our tweets animated GIFs and lo the world did it redress. Uh, so, so, so many, uh, so many animations of somebody pointing up and saying this and so many, uh, that's one know, of my favorites. So, yeah. So, so so many pictures of the guy from the wire going uh, and having his mind blown or whatever, you know, and, and, and that is wonderful. And I did it too. And I still do. And, and I post gif after gif after gif after gif. And my kids tell me that that's something that old people do and I don't care. I love them. Um, and at some point, somebody started coming at me and saying, like every time I would post an image, and every time I would post a GIF, they would have the same thing. They would say, "Would you please uh, put alt text? Consider yeah. putting alt text in, um, because for the disabled community, for the un- for, for the um, for, for the um, hard uh, of vision community, uh, that's not the correct term. I'm forgetting, but and you, you get the idea." Second paired, right? yeah. pair, thank you. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, heart
1: of vision, though I do like that one. Heart of vision, right? <laughs>
3: heart, I, I, I had heart of hearing, right? But <laughs> but so th- this just so th- th- this was th- this was the request, and my reaction was, Jesus Christ! Yeah, <laughs> like don't don't I have enough to do? But here's the thing: I had to ask myself, well. Does this matter to me? Do, do I really care? Because this is the moment where I reveal my true intentions. Do I actually care about these things? Well, yes, I do. So now, most of the time, I will put in all And uh And sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm just replying to a friend, and I figure, well, this probably isn't going to bother anybody if I don't, and I'm just in a hurry. And the truth is, I do value my own convenience over uh, uh, over a vision-impaired person at that moment. I do. That is, that is the reality. And, and, but, and I can't say, I don't know. Right. Uh, But most of the time and more and more these days, I, I, I do now. And in fact, I started having fun with it and I started realizing, Oh, you can actually write very descriptive. You you have a thousand characters. You can write very descriptive terms. So I started writing more and more descriptive terms. And, and yesterday I, I, I posted one, I don't like to read a quote tweet, Elon Musk, um, I call him the Twitter landlord, whose name I did, I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> and and, uh, and so I I screen capped something that he said, and then I um, oh he he posted a, a, a picture of his his gross bedside table that was covered with like drink rings and had two guns. There were two guns on 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 the bedside table. I was like, well, that's that's one way to get the advertisers back. Well done um <laughs> check out my check out my john mcafee bedside table
4: oh, uh God. Oh, God. Right? <laughs> check out
3: check out my check out my 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 suicide attempt bedside table i think they are both fake guns it doesn't matter yeah i so i i crossed out his name and i post like as a joke and and i i posted uh uh the, the picture. And I was like, alt text time. And I was like, the Twitter landlord whose name I don't remember uh, writes, and I typed whatever the hell he wrote. And then I described in great vivid detail the bedside table. And then I was like, anyway, I guess he's not sleeping at the Twitter headquarters anymore. Um, and <laughs> And somebody, and, and somebody, like, and so people, like, I waited for people to start praising my alt text, okay, yeah, clever alt text, I, I, I really zinged them, I got them good, and, and people did, people were like, holy shit, the alt text, and I was like, oh, there's my dopamine, that's great, and, <laughs> and you know, retweet, 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 fantastic, I feel like I, I'm at Vegas playing slots, and it just paid off, it's excellent, um, and then somebody uh, uh, tweeted at me and said, hey, you know, that's actually for uh, vision impaired people. It's not for you to make your little jokes. Um, and I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah. w- what, what more, what more do people want from me? Anyway, that was my first reaction. Okay. That's yeah. my gut reaction. Yeah. And, and, and so I had to stop though. Right. So, you know, like I had, I had like 10 seconds of, of id based, my dopamine just got taken away hissy fit in my <laughs> OK, yeah. and I'm pissed and I'm like, fine. what the f- like, come on, I described this thing in vivid detail. And there's jokes. Who wouldn't like jokes? Everyone likes jokes. Why wouldn't you like a joke? And then, but then I had to stop and think, well, are they right? They, they recommended that I follow this other account that specializes in awareness around around uh, accessibility. Mm-hmm. And so I followed it. And that and and that person started writing, you know, more stuff. And it was kind of sarcastic, actually, like in a way that it was clear, like usually when they do this, the person doesn't react very well and they're kind of expecting a fight. Um, and so they weren't being as charitable as we might hope. But, you know, in that moment, um, I think their lack of charity is actually probably not the biggest problem. And the biggest problem actually is, oh, wait, I still have something more to learn here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I have plenty of time for that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I haven't changed my behavior yet because I haven't done too much more alt text. And I don't tend to do that sort of editorializing within the alt text. And I still kind of feel like it would be funny to somebody who is visually impaired because it's still a joke, I feel like. Sure. But I'm, I'm listening to that. I'm, I'm following that account now. And I'm listening to them. And I'm not going to do it again. Um, until uh, I'm I'm very sure I understand the situation and, and I might not ever do it again um, because I, I might not ever feel like I, I quite understand where I could enter that situation in that way. I think there probably is room to do something like that, right? Um, but I might not ever understand that well enough to be able to enter it in that way. So that that would be an example of a way where you keep your ears open. Now, if somebody comes at me and it's more of a uh it's more of a self-exonerative, you know, there is no problem with race. No one ever called Donald Trump a racist until he ran for president. Here's 17 pictures of him with black celebrities. I I am going to answer America is a democracy, and you have 12 hours. <laughs> To give me satisfaction.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, and the central part didn't exist, or, or, uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Excellent. Um, well, (laughs) no, I, I, I do appreciate that example. Like, I, I personally, um, someone, a previous place I worked, uh, admonished us for not giving alt tests. Text to uh, Instagram, mm-hmm. and and my first thing was, are sight impaired people using Instagram? It's largely a visual media, right? Is is just is this just a way to make us? Uh, able-bodied people feel good about ourselves. Look at us; we're doing things for people that aren't. And I had to like slowly learn that no, there are a lot of sight-impaired people that use Instagram. That's right, right? Because you just think, well, why would they want to choose a medium that they that they can't use? But I, I, it took a while for me
3: to kind of get my head wrapped around that. Yeah, um, it's more the question: Why can't they use it? Right, as opposed yeah, to right. Yes. right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but exactly. but that's but that's right and 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 so and so we're always encountering these things they're they're within ourselves and that is moral complexity and that is actually understanding laws, right yeah. um so so and and I think that that to to loop it all the way back around to what your original question was or what i took your original question to be uh, <laughs> that that is where I find twitter very very useful because there are a lot of people on there. And the very thing that a lot of people say makes it sort of an unmanageable cesspit where you can't say anything without hearing back from people um, uh, sort of criticizing you for one thing or another. You stepped on somebody's toes. It's actually very useful as long as you can uh, uh, sort of approach these interactions with the understanding that you are probably wrong about a great (laughs) <laughs> um, and, and yeah, there are going to be people who are just out there to, um, you know, to outrage troll and, and to create a drama where there doesn't need to be, that's, that is an issue. And it, I suppose it's a problem. It's just not the biggest problem. And, sure. you know, if, if you have to, I, I find that if I have to, if the price I have to pay is to be, um, outrage trolled a bit so that I can learn from people who are actually have a, a perspective where that I can learn from. That's a pretty good price to pay. Yeah. That's
4: that,
3: that that that's that's sort of how I feel about it. And and um and and I feel like I feel like one of the one of the big issues or one of the big drivers of this is there are a lot of ways in which a lot of people don't have to pay natural costs of living in society. That's that's sort of the root of what I would call supremacy. And that's sort of the way that a lot of times we can participate in it without knowing it is we just don't have to pay the cost. And so when you're in a space where sometimes you have to pay the cost a lot, it can suck or it can be difficult. Or it can rob you of your fun little dopamine because you just got one over on Elon Musk and that'll show up. But... <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, he's good he's gonna listen to that one uh, <laughs> that's that, right that's that's the one that's the he'll one. remember me yeah that's right I, I i left my mark uh uh then that means that you're paying a that means you're paying a price and that that might be actually part of what's needed for healing um and i think about that a lot when i when i'm on twitter and when those sorts of things happen uh and so Personally, I hope it doesn't go away. I'll probably stay on Mastodon because I am having fun on Mastodon now. Uh, just what I needed, another social media platform. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I mentioned we used to, hope to be stays. connected
1: on, on LinkedIn and Facebook before I dropped both of those. So
3: yeah.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna keep Twitter as long as I can. And I'm uh, barely on those. I mean, I'm I'm on them, but I'm not really on them. All right. Well, uh, so uh, speaking of of moral lessons and uh, introspection, we are going to take a break. We're going to. Well, hold on. There's a nice segue. I I appreciate the segue game. Let's do it. No, we're we are going to take a break. We're going to grab a message for our sponsor, Kyle Lehman at Winterest Mortgage. And we're going to come back with his question for our guests. So we will Uh be right back here in a second.
0: Are you in the market for a new house and unshare of the mortgage process? Want to know that you have someone looking out for you? Kyle Lehman from WinTrust Mortgage is a down-to-earth, knowledgeable lender who can be there for you in your corner. He can work with you in any of the 50 states and is just what you need to expand your home search. Kyle will work with you through the entire process with little to no work from you. Take the worry of the mortgage process out of the equation so that you can focus on looking for your dream home. Contact Kyle at www.wintrust.com forward slash Kyle-Layman or call him at 515-473-0546.
1: All right. So, Andrew Moxon, our question for you, our Windtrust <laughs> Mortgage question for you is flashback 15 years. I'm going to mix it up here a little bit here. 15 mm-hmm. years. You can, can Martin McFly it to the future and give yourself advice. What would oh. you, what would you tell yourself? Or what would you go back and tell that young kid? That young kid, Jesus Christ.
3: I was a lot younger <laughs> then. Uh, so, we so f- f- 15, <laughs> whole, 15 years 15, ago. 15 whole years, actually. Yeah. Yeah. 15, 15 years ago. So 15 years ago, um, it's 2007. Yeah, I've probably just won my first Mookie. Uh, that, <laughs> that was that was a poker blogger tournament, by the way. That was a poker blogger tournament. I
1: love that. I love that.
3: Um, Bill, you know, you're welcome. You
1: got that joke. You're the one that, listener who got that joke. Anyway, that,
3: that no, that's that that's a good question. Um, and and um. I'm, I'm tempted to go with something glib like don't shuffle with those uh, with that uh, with those kings um, <laughs> that was that didn't work out for me. Um, let's see piece of advice i i I think um, I think i would I would probably want to make sure I don't even know if it would be so much advice as as um, you know, I would just want to tell myself because I was I was kind of working myself up to a point of getting ready to to actually write that book about fifteen years ago um, that had been on my mind for almost a decade. I th- I think um, I think I would just want myself to know that it worked out honestly. Um, I think I would just I I would I would want to I would want to give myself that like. Yeah, it's going to work out. It's actually going to work out. You don't have to spend a lot of time telling yourself, "Don't worry, it's not going to work out." It's fine that it's not going to work out. I did a lot of that. I, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was necessary. I needed it in order to just kind of get the job done. Was like, don't worry about any of the other things that might come. But you know what? It's going to work out okay. It's going to be all right. Um, boy, that's a deep question, man. I'll probably have to think about that one for a long time before I come up with something good. Maybe it'll be a a, a, a blog post or a tweet storm or something.
4: Right? I ooh, like, yeah, here's, I like this here's my
3: advice. Here's my advice for myself. Cause, cause in order for me to, 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 really answer that well, um, and every once in a while I'm, I'm good enough in the moment to be able to do it. I would have to think about what is it that I probably don't know yet. Uh, and, and that's a, that, that's a possible thing that takes a minute to do. Um, Uh, So I guess that's my answer is I think I think I could have saved myself probably a lot of uh, uh, a lot of useful and fueling yet uh, sort of defeated uh, (laughs) self-talk around (laughs) around the project that I was getting ready to to undertake. Um, But honestly, you know. I, I don't have a lot of like, oh don't don't do you know, don't do this, don't do that. I might I might tell myself uh don't get don't get out of the market right uh in, in 2016. The market isn't <laughs> about to crash. It's actually the corruption is about to take off quite a lot. Uh, the market's gonna go up in a big way. Yeah, I would yeah, have yeah, told myself that, but
2: yeah, get it get yeah.
1: into Bitcoin and then get out about 2020. Yeah.
3: Don't right. listen to Matt Damon when he shows up on the he shows up on the Super Bowl, get out. That's when you get out. Oh, that's him and
2: Larry David.
3: No. That's right. I, I, yeah, but Larry David, you know, Larry David at least kind of did it in Larry David way. Matt Damon kind of just came out and called you. Yeah, listen I, listen. I like
1: little, literally when Bitcoin crashed, I just heard the Caribbean enthusiasm music the entire time. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> no, okay. I no. Uh, I, I do appreciate that you did say that you're gonna blog about it which was kind of a little bit of a slip because I do feel like your newsletter is just your secret
3: way of blogging oh yeah no there's no doubt it's 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 a blog it's not a newsletter anymore
4: <laughs> I mean it was a
3: it was a newsletter it was a newsletter like uh what three years ago when the when the book was about to come out that was newsletter I, I had a few things about the book and you know, here's how the book came about and then i was like i don't know what else to say about the book but hey you can buy the book want to buy the book here's the book and then every once in a while there'd be something else about like my doings as an author that i thought was worth a newsletter it was really when i when i started blogging like w- when i started using it as a blog that's when it really started becoming something again and it's it's really where i have the most fun now um, Twitter's fine, but I uh, the, the blog is a place where I can really stretch out, and I I need to now figure out how to write a little bit shorter. Honestly, I need to get back to short because the last one was like six thousand words, um, and and it just came pouring out. It was uh, uh it was it was all just kind of one like pfft,
4: <laughs> there.
1: I, I, I well I look forward to your next newsletter about the latest Texas Texas Hold'em tournament uh, that you're at. That,
3: that might happen I might I, <laughs> I I might just start uh poker blogging again I that, guess that that,
1: let's, let's just bring it back full circle there you that's go. all I, I want back.
3: that's all I've ever really wanted to do tim is get back <laughs> to poker blogging I think I've got an idea for a poker uh for a novel about poker
1: oh um, so so Bobby bracelet, Bobby bracelet and I were working on this this novel together <laughs> where we were writing He it. told me oh did he tell you about that yeah
3: he told me about that
1: yeah, we were writing this novel together, and it never well, like w- like we were happy. Like we actually found a similar voice we could write it, and all of this, and we thought it would be a great idea to have a novel published by like four authors, and it never got farther. But no. I, I I like that idea. I also like that idea of a of a poker based novel. I would be all about helping you write that.
2: I would read that. That's awesome. Yeah. I was I was not online poker playing quite a bit. I played quite a bit of tournaments here locally, and we actually had a group of about seven or eight guys that would rotate and play little mini tournaments every week and build uh,
1: cribbage at the church isn't the same thing. It's not
2: this. it's not what that was. It was <laughs> little, no limit hold'em. Thank you very much. <laughs> it might surprise you, Tim, that I was actually not bad. It might shock you a little bit. Yeah. Yes.
1: The idea that you're not bad at anything does surprise me. That's fair. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah. I, I would I would classify myself. I played I played many thousands of hands of of Alderman, and I would have to say that I was, uh, in my opinion, pretty bad. I, I got I, was, I got I was this, pretty bad. <laughs> I, I I
1: got I got the tattoo that that's on my arm because I was playing really well. And then uh, Iggy uh, told me, me, "Wait, who's who's up right now?" Oh, Jim is. And then he took all my money, and I walked away, and and I got a tattoo. So,
2: (laughs) 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 what is your best beat, probably, and worst beat? Either one of you. Everybody's got poker. Everybody's uh, got a poker. I I have to think about it. Uh boy my I
1: oof, I was getting killed playing oh this was ooh, this was this involves gambling blues. Uh I had no business staying in, uh, on uh on on a hand and I ended up with a flush and and Tony got mad and he just walked away and he just I felt at him and he just walked out of the room and he walked out of the house. And I think he was just done with me forever. Uh that
3: might have been my best. Um <laughs> that's the best one. <laughs> I the best the best hand i ever played i lost a friend forever <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: that's that's not true tony and i are very good friends but uh, he was he, he by all intents and purposes he should have he should have uh uh destroyed me and i was just I, i'm not going to say i was even lucky i was stupid um i was probably drunk and probably high and i just made decisions and it
3: just went with that uh worst i don't know andrew uh the, the worst, i i can't remember hardly a single hand i've ever played um i i the, the only one i can remember is uh i i went to the world series of poker one time it was in 2011 i bought into a one of the smaller events and I played all day. We were pretty close to the money bubble. For anybody who doesn't know what that is, that's the point in the tournament where enough people have left the tournament that everyone is going to get paid something. You're going to get at least your money that you paid to get to enter the tournament back. Um, and I was sitting with um, an Australian chap in a pork pie hat and a couple of very aggressive Russians and a drunken American who kept insisting that the australian guy should talk to him in australian slang and that (laughs) women were called sheilas and and garth and
1: garth was like get the fuck out of here anyway
3: and (laughs) and the australian and the australian just just kept muttering under his breath anyway i was i was pretty i was in pretty bad shape and i only had a little bit left and i had to put it all in the middle they had ace and a ten, and that's the best hand in poker, as anyone can tell you. And <laughs> the Australian in the pork pie hat had kings, uh, and that that didn't improve. So that's not a terrible beat. That's just the way it goes. But I lost all my chips, and I no longer was playing in this tournament. And I uh, I I, uh, I crawled back in shame on the bubble uh, to my room mm. and slept. Uh, in my room for about uh 12 hours because it was pretty physically draining was, i was sort of shocked um that's that's the hand i remember guys i don't remember too many others um i played i think probably all of the rest of them perfectly um <laughs> and and they, they just sometimes didn't work out uh
2: i don't remember uh all of the bad beats because there were so many of them uh no. But the probably the best hand I ever played was uh, in a tournament. Uh, I was with uh, some work guys, and one of the guys that we worked with played with us all the time. He was at the table, and I'm sure you've seen or played with a guy similar. He knows all the time what you had. You know, I knew you <laughs> had that. You know, he very arrogant, knew everything. Um, and this was probably 15 years ago, and I still remember the sequence of the, uh, of the hands. I uh, got pocket eights. Uh, I flopped uh, another eight. I slow played the entire time he was in. I think he probably, if I remember right, was running on a flush draw Uh, on the turn. I got the fourth eight still slow played it. He kept betting me. I called him at the very end. He got his flush on the, on the river. I checked. He uh, went all in, and I flipped up those four eights, and the look on his face, and he looked, and he looked again, and he looked, and he looked again, and my other buddy at the table, Troy Sheets, said, Scott, you ain't got shit over there that's going to beat him. I don't know what you're looking at, and he got so pissed. And that's said, uh, that's the find out. That's the find I out said, part. And I said, Scott, yeah. yeah, I don't know why you're so pissed off. You knew what I had. You know what everybody has all the time. <laughs>
4: <laughs> he got See? pissed,
2: flipped his cards up, walked away, and I was so proud of that. That every username I had for probably the next five years for any account that I created was gambling eight 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 eight. Jesus was you Christ, asked. you're the you're the worst type of gambler, Chris. Seriously,
1: <laughs> I'd rather I like I like Why? hanging out I like hanging out with Bobby Bracelet where he'll just be an idiot the entire time, and you don't know if he's if he's gambling well or terribly. He won't even look at his cards, and he will. Oh, gamble. I've done that. I've yeah. done that
2: before. Yeah, but I know. But I played he, straight hands without looking at my cards. Let me ask he, you: What's the difference? Sometimes, honestly, I I'm not joking. I'm not being a dick. Sometimes, what is the difference? What your cards are or not. If I deep, play, man. that's you, you got to think play, about that, don't you? If I play based off of just. Straight, whether I'm going to bluff or not bluff and have nothing on my face and I don't know what I have and I'm playing hunches or, or percentages or whatever, what difference does it have with what I have in my hand?
1: Oh, oh, well, because if I can look at you, I can
3: realize what an idiot you are.
2: That's a cop out. Everybody can do that. <laughs> Everybody can look at me and see what an idiot I am.
3: Well, Chris, it matters at showdown. That's the only time it matters. That's exactly yeah, right. It, at that exactly. point, it matters,
2: right? but imagine Um, imagine playing somebody i and it's not arrogance because i'm again if i was good i wouldn't be sitting here doing this podcast i'd be in vegas but the when you're playing somebody and they have not looked at their cards at all how do you how do you play that person
3: oh if they haven't looked at their cards yeah oh that's when i look
2: at their cards just <laughs> reach right over. Let me see those.
3: Yeah, cars. that's the best way I've found.
2: I mean, I don't do it I all the time, but there are you know one or two hands a night that when I play, that I I won't look at my hand, and I'll just play play the game as it should be played. I, I wouldn't look at your hand either. You can that's be fine. insulting all you want, but that's <laughs> that's not changing the fact that you don't have an answer.
3: No, no. The next thing you do, Chris, is don't look at your hand and don't look at the board.
2: Okay, that's interesting.
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah. That I may do. Just look at the dealer. Yeah, I had not thought of that.
1: Yeah. Just that's just, that's the next level. Just just look me straight in the eyes, Chris. That's right. Just <laughs> just <laughs> just make very firm eye contact with me the entire time. Yeah. Okay. Just strong, steady, slow eye contact with me. Not confrontational, just I would n- no, very no, no I warm. would but no.
2: Nope, I would. him, but then just, all of a sudden I get that whole bath bourbon thing in my head again and then it, uh, just... <laughs> I'm ready to fold. Uh,
1: good. I know that's why I put those pictures in your mind. Um, anyway, um, you have been listening to Old Man Strength, a podcast of Three Beards media. If you guys are not checking out all the Three Beards Media content we have, uh, please do. Uh, We have the Hot Mess Happy Hour, which is one of my favorites to listen to as of late. Uh, Those ladies are uh, uh, a hot hot mess, mess. (laughs) frankly. Uh, It is a lot of fun. If you don't listen to Sigh of the Storm with Brent Carvey, uh, George Trice... Marcus Pfizer, who's going to maybe help us get another uh, former NBA player on this podcast as well. Maybe Uh, we're we're going to please go ahead and check those guys out as they have the Cyclone reaction show to both basketball and football. And basketball has been a lot more fun to react to than football. Uh, Please listen to my other podcast. Bitter units when we have episodes when I can finally book guests <laughs> because no one in the brewing industry is free anymore. Because suddenly, after a pandemic, everyone has activities going on every single weekend. Um, uh, who am I missing,
2: Chris? Uh, fill in the blank with Anya.
1: Didn't I say fill in the blank? No, with Anya? You did oh, no, I did not say fill in the blank. God damn it, that's my bad. Uh, please listen to fill in the blank with Anya. She has Anya has uh, a lot of. She's just enjoyable to listen to in a pleasant voice. Uh, and, but she also, makes
2: fun of the bears, and then she's not she, my favorite.
1: No, she that's, that's why she's my favorite. She makes fun of the bears. Uh, so please go ahead and listen to all of the content that we have out there. Uh, we have a lot of new partners that we're bringing on. Chris, anyone else you want to talk about?
2: Let's talk about uh, <clears throat> our newest sponsor for Side of the Storm and, and uh, for fill in the blank uh, is Rob from Brown Dogs Farm has signed on to be a sponsor for them. So, And again, we are launching uh, that new podcast with uh, Paul Parisic, Heather Burnside, Dave Campbell. Uh, Des Moines Police Department presents Inside the Tape. It's going to be a local crime pod- podcast for Central Iowa and for the Des Moines Metro. Super excited about that. Uh, and we have that one last segment we can't miss out on, Tim.
1: I will I know well, I'm going to get to there. I just wanted yeah. to make sure we got in all of these things. Uh Andrew, it's you it's a would, lot. It's a lot to get in. Andrew, you would you would really appreciate this this podcast we're launching with uh the spokesperson for the Des Moines Police Department uh, Police Department, uh Sergeant Paul Prezik. We're doing a cold case podcast so in partnership with the the des moines police department they're going to be revisiting cold cases and Mm -hmm. seeing what they can do to to i don't know bring light bring light to to these cases that are are uh still unsolved for 10 20 whatever years in, in the des moines police department i think it'll be a very good one so uh, we do have, though, as Chris did say, we do have one last segment after we have plugged all of these things that I do want to get to. It is the Steph Copley shut the fuck up segment. Uh, Chris, who is technically sponsoring this one?
2: Or what what are we hoping people donate to here? Yep. So uh in conjunction with Steph, uh, Three Beards Media and Steph made a nice donation to the young women's resource center here in des moines and we ask that you visit their website and donate uh in honor of this segment where basically tim and i shut the fuck up and let our guests say whatever he wants to say so andrew you have the floor it's it's a rare moment where tim shuts the fuck up and doesn't say <laughs> anything so now's your chance
0: Hey everybody, it's Steph Copley, the woman behind the STFU segment on the Old Man Strength podcast. When I told the guys I wanted to sponsor this segment, they recommended that I make a charitable donation instead. So that's what I did. I chose the Young Women's Resource Center in Des Moines, Iowa. They're a nonprofit that supports, educates, and advocates for girls and young women ages 10 to 24. Their whole goal is to make sure that these young women become strong, self-confident, and successful. And if you know me at all, you know that aligns with my goals as well. If you're interested and would like to donate, check them out at ywrc.com. Org and donate today, and remember, don't forget to STFU and listen every once in a while. Thanks.
3: Wow. Well, uh, you know, I'm 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 not usually good in moments like these to speak extemporaneously. Um, what do I want to talk about? I suppose I would like to thank you guys. For for uh, having me on, this is a lot of fun, and Tim, to to, um, to meet you face to face after all these years has been a, a real treat. Um, I think um, I think I will uh, I will just end by saying that uh, if you're interested in um, and catching up with what I've got going on, I would check out that newsletter. Um, you can find it in the bio and the Twitter uh, in, uh, on my Twitter bio. You can find it on my Mastodon bio um, and you can find it probably just by typing in AR Moxon. Um, and yeah, man, this has been a real fun. Uh, this has been a real fun uh, uh, conversation we've had. I appreciate it. Excellent. Well, thank you,
1: Andrew. I, I, this is something I've been wanting for a while. I'm very excited that you joined us. I, it's, it's been good to just kind of talk about all these things. And like you said, man, it's finally good to finally meet up face to face. I will. Yeah, uh, I have a, a good college friend that lives up up your way, so I will make sure that when I come visit him, I will uh, pick you, learn. and we can we can hang out. Absolutely, it, it will be a a. Very good time. Uh, we're very excited. So please go ahead and check out Andrew at Julius Goat on Twitter is probably uh the easiest way to get a hold of him. Uh
3: Julius Goat, Jesus Christ.
1: Uh Julius Goat on Twitter. Anywhere else that, that you want people to 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 get a hold of you at?
3: Um, that's probably the best way to go. Um, you know, uh uh, it's Julius Goat on Twitter It's Julius Goat on Mastodon It's Julius Goat on PokerStars It's Julius Goat pretty much everywhere uh, <laughs> what, what about your MySpace? It's a Julius Goat world I never got on MySpace What
1: about Friendster?
3: Somebody else's Julius Goat on Friendster, I guess I never <laughs> J- got on Julius
1: Friendster Julius Goat on Geocities? Julius yeah, Goat on, on Angel Yeah, on Geocities, Fire.
3: exactly uh, it's, it's basically Julius Goat uh, All the way down uh, It's, it's uh, and, but yeah, I mean, that that's, that's where you come find me. Uh, um, DMs are open. So give me a holler. Uh, tell me, tell me, uh, tell me, I'm cool. Or tell me I'm an idiot either way. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, for the most part, if you want to read most of what I'm writing, check out the newsletter, which is really secretly a blog. Um, I'll be <laughs> taking a little bit of a break. Then we'll be coming back with whatever it is that I'm writing about and probably, uh, a good deal of uh, uh, exposition of the TV show Lost, which is a long-standing obsession of mine. So, Jesus I Christ, he loved that show.
1: No, he, no, God, I, I did not tell you, Chris, that that he likes the TV show Lost because I did not want to get sidetracked in this entire podcast. Oh my podcast God, you, you're
2: such you an two asshole. Could, have, could have you, such you, two, you,
1: you two could have a side podcast just about Lost. I swear to God, I could have a Lost cast.
3: Have Chris, you check seen... out check out the the check out the the first post on you know on Lost and see what you think.
0: Keep okay. reading if
3: you like it, uh, and let me know what you think. I'll I'll be very responsive. I hate both of you right now. So yeah,
1: <laughs> I just I did just
2: follow you on both Mastodon <laughs> and Twitter. There we also, go. Also, uh, I've stumbled upon a cheap knockoff of Lost called La Brea, which is actually not too bad, but it's it's clearly a cheap knockoff.
3: No, I just watched so, Lost again. Right,
2: I did. I've watched it <laughs> twice. Well, excellent. So
3: okay, all right. <laughs> the anyway. look
2: on my wife's face when I tried to get her to watch it. And when <laughs> I hit the part about the smoke monster, she was checked out. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
3: Well, if she hates that, she'll really hate what I have
1: to say. <laughs> it's okay. She doesn't listen to us anyways. No, she certainly doesn't listen to you, so that's fine. <laughs> anyway, so once again, you guys have wasted another 90, 120, I don't know how many minutes listening it's to Old Man Strength. It's been a long time. Please go ahead and check out our sponsors. Real to selling company, WinTrust Mortgage. Once again, I am Tim Johnson, joined by Chris Shipley. This has been Old Man Strength, a podcast of Three Beards Media. And we will see you guys next time.